Force O'Neill, thanks for listening to my dad and his boyhood friend, Mr. Ron. Hey, you guys, what's going on? Welcome to episode 449 now of the Ron and Don Show. And heck yeah, we are live from the Les Schwab studio. What is up, Ron and Don Nation? Hey, coming up on the Ron and Don Show, uh, boy, I was thrilled to see Eminem last year and the Super Bowl halftime show. I've watched it a few times. And boy, was he really on his game. Everybody was, right? They all were Dr. Dre, Missy, everybody. Uh, and I knew that he had struggled with addiction in his past. He is now on a podcast talking more about this because he's pretty private. And what happened 15 years ago, what really happened to him 15 years ago, I was astounded by. And it's one of the reasons why he feels like he needed to teach himself to rap all over again. And we'll tell you about the real reason why he disappeared. Also, the real reason why Tom Brady disappeared from the NFL, uh, we think we now know, but is it really any of our business? Of course it is, you guys, and I can't wait to talk about it. Before we get to that, though, let's get to this. Another BuzzFeed poll where they said, hey, is there a movie out there that you absolutely loved, but you could never watch it again? What would that movie be? And people jumped on, and they started listing movies, and... They share the reason why. Uh, and there were three of the movies in there that really resonated with me. Number one, have you ever watched Dunkirk before? If you watched Dunkirk. Yeah, I have. Yeah. Anything about World War II, Dunkirk, 1916, any of those movies, uh, you can watch them one time, but you kind of know how they're going to end. And after you, you know the story and it ends on a real down note, it's hard to pivot back to that and go, you know what? I'm going to sit down and watch Dunkirk uh, one more time. Why not? Or I've watched it 50 times. I really love it. It really puts a smile on my face. It doesn't, but it's a very important piece of cinema. The first thing that I thought about, though, is I thought about Titanic. My son has never seen it before, and I know at some point he's going to want to watch it. I hope he doesn't want to watch it with me because I watch it one time. I know what happens. I know that those characters, especially the Jack character, that really didn't happen and it wasn't real. And what's sad to me about that movie, and I know everybody loves it, there were so many real stories. Why not tell the real stories of the people that were on that ship? And they say what they did is they, well, we took six stories and we blended them and we kind of created these characters. We don't need the blend. Like, I really would love to know more about... One of, the, one of the guys that was sitting out on the deck and saying, you know what? I'm going to play my cello until this thing goes down. That would be a movie that, that, that I would watch. But I already know that Jack wasn't real. I know, and I don't want to, I want to wreck it for people. You can turn the, turn the podcast off here. Give you a moment. The ship hits an iceberg and goes down wrong. So anyway. I think two movies for me now that I'm thinking about what you just said. Schindler's List. Yeah. It is yeah. an amazing movie. Amazing. Yeah. That's a, Do that's not want to serve that one up again to watch it. Yeah. Saving Private Ryan. Uh, the opening scene where they're coming in on D-Day is so 
harrowing and so graphic in a way of, of its reality that I don't need to sit through that again. I was just thinking while you're saying this, and I don't know if you're this way. I'm not someone that really goes back and rewatches things much, but I will listen to the same piece of music over and over and over and over and over again. And I don't know what the difference is. Like you would, to me, they're both art forms. Like if I like a song and I'll listen to that song a hundred times, why do I not want to watch? Like I loved Curb Your Enthusiasm, let's say, or Seinfeld. I have, I'm not one of these people I'll go back and rewatch Seinfeld from the beginning or rewatch the Sopranos or rewatch Breaking Bad. Like, even though I liked those shows, are, do you have that thing where you want to rewatch things that you like yeah, or th- re-listen I, I, to things that you listen yeah, to? I think music is different because music takes you back to a time and place. Like I was listening to some eighties rock this morning and I generally don't like eighties rock. Uh, cause there's a big portion of the eighties that I didn't love. Because some of that music sometimes reminds me of those things, and and I had some real struggles in the in the '80s, and this is when you know I was dealing with the departure of my father, and just it just it was it was hard. It was, it was very very hard. Uh, but I was listening to some of that music this morning, and it did take me back to you know the class of '85 and what it was like to be at prom, which was really fun, and some of my friends like when I hear Billy Idol. And all the guys in the football locker room and standing up after a win and guys just in towels singing and screaming that song. Uh, so, yeah, I think music takes us back to a place. Cinema can do that, but a lot of times it doesn't. It helps us understand a story. But we weren't in Dunkirk. It, it's hard to take us back to Dunkirk, right? So so I think we relate to music a lot of times differently. I think the movies that we like to watch again – uh, are those movies that we see ourselves in, right? So when we watch Rudy, I can watch that a couple times because I always wanted to go to Notre Dame just like he did. And I had some of the same aspirations that he did. So that's a story that I could watch again. And, and or, or I have to say, watching Top Gun or watching Rudy with my 12-year-old for the very first time it was really neat to see his reaction to it because we went, but when we knew we were going to uh, the new Top Gun, the night before we stayed up, we ate popcorn here at the house, we ordered it up, and we watched the old Top Gun. And I'm like, you know what? If he doesn't get this, I'm not going to make him sit through this tomorrow because the new Top Gun was more about me than it was about him. But when I saw it through his eyes, and 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 then we went the next day, and the story all came together and made sense to him. It was a thrill, it, but but that's a little different because I'm watching it through his eyes, not my own. So yeah, so it's a, it's a good thought piece that BuzzFeed did there. There are those movies, the ones that I tend to want to rewatch are funny movies. Like I'll watch Elf every year because uh, it's fun. You know, it's light. I know the storyline, and you're going to get some good laughs. Uh, comedies that you can kind of recite the lines. Uh, you know, and you see Will Ferrell, you're my boy, Blue! Like, you want to, you can watch it and you feel like you can turn it off in the middle and, and you walk away from it. But the serious movies, like you said, it's like, yep, I got it. Saw it the first time. We're good. Yeah. Watched last night uh, with my boy, and it was his idea to watch The Best of Will Ferrell on Saturday Night Live, Volume 1 and 2. Wow. Dude, when he plays Alex Trebek and you've got <laughs> Burt Reynolds yes. and Sean Connery. So great. So great. Yeah. See you guys uh, right after this. 
When Seattle nonprofit Plymouth Healing Communities decided to sell one of their group homes for the mentally ill and homeless, board member Catherine Walker turned to Ron and Don. It was a complicated and delicate deal. They didn't want people traipsing in and out disturbing the residents. So instead of hanging a for sale sign, the guys turned to their deep network and found a buyer themselves. It very quickly got to terms and we signed and that was that. And then they followed through on everything to make this happen. And Catherine says she was even more blown away by what Ron and Don did next. They offered to donate their commission. It was incredible. Their generosity had a meaningful impact on the lives of 47 residents in our organization. Heart, soul, expertise, Catherine says all of that and more is what sets Ron and Don apart from other realtors. They did a great job and genuinely interested in helping us achieve our goals. They seemed truly service-minded as opposed to kind of transaction-minded. So whether you're selling or buying, take Catherine Walker's word and schedule your Ron and Don sit-down today. Don't go anywhere unless you want to. It's the Ron and Don Show, starring Ron and Don, and sometimes me, at ronanddon.com. All right, you guys, welcome back uh, to the Ron and Don Show. One of the things that we were just talking about music, the 8 Mile soundtrack of Eminem, I, I absolutely love. I played that a lot in my spin class, and my spin class, actually, uh, men and women, all different generations, they, they, they love a lot of that music. I recently was reading uh, just some words on a page that were lifted from a podcast that Eminem was on, and he was talking about his struggle with addiction 15 years ago. And I believe that we all struggle with some kind of addiction. It doesn't have to be alcohol and drugs or sex like we always hear. Those are the big three, right? But some of us may just be addicted to that screen that's in front of us. Right? There's all kinds of things that we can be addicted to, from food and sugar uh, to all types of things that, that we, we can mention. I think we're all on the spectrum somewhere of addiction. Even with self-help, I see people put up you know, new books and new sayings every day. And it's, and it's like, I, I just try to take one saying a year and and write it down and and just follow it and think about it and see if I can transform me because I can't take a new quote uh, every freaking day. I can't. And just because we read these books and we know all these things and we can spout things about the journey in Brene Brown, it doesn't mean that we've gone on the journey and that we've done the work. A, a number of years ago when I was doing a lot of work, uh, I was spending a lot of time and I still do writing and some of that writing I've shared with the world and a lot of it, I don't share anymore. A lot of it. I just, I just, I, I, I just keep to myself. I'm just in a season where I'm writing and keeping things to myself. And some of these things I write, I have a, a Gmail account for my son and I send him things to this Gmail account, whether it be pictures uh, or whether it be things I'm writing and I've shared this before. We don't have a family around us to tell us family stories at Christmas. And so I want him to still know the family stories and what his life was like growing up. Because uh, I'm kind of an older dad with him. And I, I want him I want him to know. And, and, and a good way to know is to document these things. And a lot of you know, if you're from our era, our, our 
there, there'd be like a 10 year span where there's no pictures of us. And it's not because our parents hated us. It's just, they're too busy raising us. And it was too much of a hassle to go and get film and load in a camera and take a picture and then take it back to Walgreens or one hour photo or whatever. It's just, there's, and I'm sure that you have that too, Ron, where there's just, there's years of your life where there, where there, you know, where there's not, there, there's, there's no pictures. So, but anyway, going back to this documentation, he has spoken before, he has this closet and every once in a while, when he feels himself getting off center, heading back to the addiction. And for him, it was Percocet, it was Ambien, it was drugs and alcohol, a lot of that stuff. And, and it created a really weird relationship with his wife, Kim, and also with his daughter. And he said after he did a lot of this work, when he'd feel himself drawn back to, to his addictions, he would just go sit in this closet and he'd read his journals. I have my same journals at a certain place in my house, and I will go back from time to time in the morning and light our family candle, and I'll sit there and I read the stuff to myself that I wrote years ago. It's just saying, hey, you've done this work, and you don't want to go back there. So it's a, it's a, it, it's a good reminder. Anyway, fast forward, he said on this podcast that at one point 15 years ago, he had OD'd so hard and the expectation was death that he was going to die. And when he came back from this, he said he started trying to rap again and that his brain was broke. And he said, in some sense, he had to learn to rap again. And he looks back at two of his albums after that and said, you know what? They were crap. He goes, and when I listen to him, I'm almost embarrassed. But at the same time, he takes pride and joy in the fact that, that he was fighting, that he was fighting to come back, fighting to come back such so that when we saw him uh, in the Super Bowl last year, I thought he was pretty amazing and outstanding. So I always have great appreciation for people, especially those famous people that will show us a true, authentic uh, view of themselves and we were talking on our last podcast on episode 447 about Chris Rock and Dave Chappelle talking about Will Smith and Dave Chappelle saying, hey, you finally had your mask ripped off. Why don't you leave it off for now? Give yourself a break and show the world who you really are uh, when you're not sitting at that red table with, uh, with your wife, if that really is your wife or whatever that is. Really refreshing to hear this from Eminem, Ron, and I was, I was really encouraged by his struggle because I have certainly uh, not gone through those same struggles, but 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 I understand, I understand the work that he has done, and going back and having a place and sitting in that closet and reminding yourself, I thought, wow, what a beautiful gift you've given to yourself, and now you've given to your daughter, your ex-wife, your friends, your family the music community, and really what he has given to the rest of us. And, and I agree with Dave Chappelle. I, I, hope, I hope Will Smith at some point can reveal something that cool and that amazing now that this mask has been uh, ripped off. It was interesting with Eminem because he, uh, I just think of what it would be like to go, you know, if you did watch 8 Mile, his life story to go from where he came from and then next thing you know you're sitting in front of dr dre in a bright yellow uh sweatsuit and he takes you to his home studio and you write my name is right out of the if you've never seen that story go look that up because eminem sends a cassette tape 
somehow gets in the hands of someone that knows Dr. Dre uh, or Jimmy Iovine. It gets handed to Jimmy Iovine. Jimmy Iovine gives it to Dr. Dre. Dr. Dre listens to it, thinks that he's black, and thinks that he's a black kid from Detroit, brings him out to L.A., and in walks a young Eminem in a bright yellow uh, jumpsuit, head-to-toe, fluorescent yellow, and Dr. Dre is like, who are you? He's like, I'm the kid from the tape. Completely uh, total disconnect, takes him to the house. Dre said, I have this thing I've been working on that goes blank, boom, and he plays the beat. And he said, within five seconds, Eminem says, hi, my name is... Uh, right out the top of his head. So great. They make that song. Next thing you know, you're the biggest artist in the world. You've got the vice president of the United States talking about you in, in press conferences. Um, coping with that and trying to be a dad and a, a husband and a, and a musician. And now when you say something, you know, when you're in the underground rap scene and you say something off color, or you make fun of gay people, you get applause. Then when you're selling 10 million records and you do the same thing, you get a different reaction from the world. So, uh, and, and he knows what he did. And you hear Elton John talk about it where, uh, you know, there was all this homophobia stuff and, and Eminem uh, reached out to, or they got connected, Elton John and Eminem. And he's like, Hey man, I met him. El this is Elton talking. I met him. He's a he's a lovely guy. He's not anti-gay. Uh, he we did the Super Bowl or we did a, a Grammy performance where I did Hey Stan with him, and you know just to show that I'm an openly gay man, I can perform with Eminem. So I mean, he's had a story where um, it makes sense to want to escape from time to time. It makes sense to go. This is too much pressure. This is too much accolade. The spotlight is too bright. How do I escape from this? It's, it's the Nirvana story all over again. Yeah. How right. do I escape from my own success? Yep. And I don't have the life skills. I don't have a father figure. Mm. I don't have experience with this. I have no one to turn to. Somebody give me a substance that turns this off for a little while. Next thing you know, you're you're waking up in an emergency room because you took too much methadone. I, I get it. And I'm glad that he's still around. He's one of the most accomplished musicians ever. Uh, he, he carries a heavy mantle because he won't say he's the best rapper ever. He has never said that, but all these people that try to rank them and say Tupac and Biggie and Eminem, and they go down the list, there's a big backlash against putting a white guy uh, number one on that list. But in a lot of metrics, if you look at album sales, radio charts, sheer skill set, uh, it's hard to argue that he's not one of the top three, uh, but he he will never say that. And so it's, it's, it's a weird position he, uh, he occupies in the culture. I forgot who we're talking about. His name is Marshall Mathers. Hey, it's Ron here with Mitch Weeks from Mitch.loans. Mitch, we have a new client. She just got into mutual acceptance up in Shoreline, and we saved her some money because we were able to get that house under list price, handed her over to you, and what were you able to do? 
Yeah, we've got her as part of our buyer benefit program. So between you negotiating down a little bit of seller credit and us giving her a little lender credit, she was actually able to save enough in rate that she's going to save about a hundred thousand over the life of her loan. That and is that's incredible. A hundred thousand dollars over the life of the thirty-year loan. That's right. Wow. So all she did was uh, call Mitch, and she went to Mitch Loans first. He can talk to you about these programs as well. You can use me as your agent, and between the two of us as a team, because we were all ready to go we secured the house under list price bought down the loan rate and she is getting a great deal if you want to get a great deal too go to mitch.loans that's mitch.loans all right you guys uh welcome back to the ron and don show everybody's talking about those uh well they're talking about the nfl because the nfl came storming back this week how about that game on monday crazy yeah can't believe that Uh, number three Wow. Anyway, uh, I think it's kind of interesting because people are also talking about another quarterback by the name of Tom Brady. You know, he's married to Giselle Bunchen, and they have some kids together. And he was married to... He was not married before. He just had a baby with uh, his With his girlfriend. Girlfriend, yes. Yeah, who's on uh, uh, Blue Bloods. And in fact, a lot of times... Her name is Bridget Mo- Moynihan, and, and she's been very supportive of him and her, his wife. Giselle, all the kids. And, and fact, their son will hang out with uh, the blended family, go back and forth. Yeah, and she always sends nice messages when he's playing in the game and all that. So who, so, so who knows what's going on there? Any, anyway, we're hearing a story now that the reason why Tom Brady left for 10, 11 days to try to go work things out with his wife, and then his wife got on a plane. They're saying that she went to Costa Rica. Uh, he left training camp, which is very it's unusual. It's pretty nice when when you're good enough and you've won as many Super Bowls as he has and you can leave mandatory training camp to go do whatever you're going to do. And then it's pretty nice when she can just jump on a plane and go to Costa Rica. By the way, she doesn't need his money. She has more money than he does. Her modern career has been pretty successful. And, and I think she was pretty satisfied with the fact that you know he talked to his family. He was going to retire. And then he unretired. And, and my understanding is that she's upset about this. I, I'm going to go back to this. And, and people are going to get really mad at me because I know that, that, they, that they tie marriage so oftentimes to religion. I know of so many people that have been married. Then they kind of did what Gwyneth Paltrow did and they, in a very conscious way, and it's usually because of children, they consciously uncouple. They go to some counseling I'm hearing new ads right now for some new attorneys on the radio that I think is great where they're not, you know, pitting partner against partner, but they're like, hey, let's not let's go sit down at the table with attorneys, but let's sit at the table with each other instead of across from each other. Let's have a different mindset about this. Let's also understand that we have had a really good run. We have a pretty amazing family. And, and maybe this marriage in its current form isn't working right now, but it doesn't mean that we can't be great co-parents and even, even friends into the future. It, it's the people that go after each other, that, that wait until it's too late, that then they cheat on each other and the other one finds out and you go ballistic and it's just, and you find out there was all this hidden behavior. That's what really hurts, right? And so here we see this, this marriage playing out uh, and I said before, is it our business? And I said, of course it is. I, I don't know that it's our business, but I do think there's something that we can learn from this as this plays out that maybe they had a really successful marriage 
And, and maybe it's time for that marriage to be over. I don't know why people are going to sign it. You think about the contract you sign when you're going to marry someone and it's all butterflies and lollipops. You think about just financially what you're laying on the line. Till death do us part. But, you know, what if this person is a child? Till death do you part? What if this person ends up in a long care memory uh, memory care facility like my aunt just did because for years now she 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 doesn't know who the other person is sitting at the other side of the table she when when you know i know i know of a story of a someone in my family when their partner died they were in the room and they laughed and the reason they laughed is because their 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 brain was gone their brain stopped functioning the way that so so you know, think of my next door neighbor who took care of someone with lung cancer for, for four years. And then he turned around a year later and married someone else that he, that he found on a dating app. And people are like, well, this is too soon. And I don't think it was because, because life happens like this. Why don't people sign one year contracts or a five year contract or a 10 year contract or say, Hey, if we're going to have kids and, and when they're 18, let's reevaluate. Cause I think that's what most people end up doing anyway. Why, why can't we take, have this conversation out in the open and say, hey, if Tom and, 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 and Giselle are done, maybe in the same way that he had a pretty successful relationship with Bridget Moynihan, can't you look back and say, hey, you know what? We had a, we had a pretty successful relationship together. We had these beautiful kids we brought into the world, and, and we're going to move on now. We're going to do different things before it gets out in the media, and then we find out someone cheated on somebody. That, that's when it gets really painful, you guys, is when somebody starts living a secret life and living differently, but they didn't have the courage to tell you that they were doing that. What say you? Um, I, I agree with most of what you said. I, I really feel for Giselle in this case. Y yes, they have a lot of resources, and they're both famous people, but... She and Tom and her both admitted when it was football season, she took care of the household. Um, she was running the show and Tom was either at physical therapy. He was doing plyometrics. He's watching game film. He's on the road. Like he was fully consumed uh, with the entire NFL season. And, and when they're making a deep run, that turns into most of the year. And then, and then he would come back to the house and be like, hey, I'm here. Hey, everybody, celebrate I'm back now. And she's like, dude, w this is not good for the family. So when he said, I'm retiring, and she signed off on that, she that's what he said. Mm -hmm. And then she's expecting him now to be a full participant in the family and in the household. And then he, two weeks later, is like, nope, I'm playing again. She knows what that means better than any of us for their family, of what the, the real sacrifice is for a guy in his 40s to get hit by 350-pound defensive linemen at full speed or Bobby Wagner's of the world at full speed, what it takes to get his body and mind ready to play uh, week in and week out. Well, the run-up shot. She, she knows that. good hit left in you. And so, you know, I, I don't blame her for being like, really, dude, we had this conversation. We came to a family agreement. You reneged. You changed your mind. You're back getting all the accolades in the press conferences, and now you want me to just just do the take care of the entire household again? Not having it. So I, I don't blame her 
for doing whatever it is that she needs to do. They, they seem like a good couple on the outside looking in. So if they can repair it, I think it'd be great. But you're right. If they had a good run, they do have some beautiful children. Uh, they have the resources to do whatever they want to do in this world. Uh, they should be allowed to, to not about, call it a failure. And put a bow around this. What about marriage limits? Or saying, "Hey, we're, we're I'm gonna, a huge we're, fan of that. We're going to sign this contract." There's a book called "The New I Do." I recommend everybody oh, read it. Heard. And the, the new I do it, it gives someone a, stole my idea. Someone's already written the book. It's called The New I Do. You should read it. You actually really like it. Oh, well, so okay. go through The New I Do. I think it's a great concept. What, what's, what is the concept? The con- they, they talk about having contracts like this huh. that expire. Yeah. Uh, and they give you examples and the whole deal. It's great. It's a great book. Yeah. I, I, it'd be a great book. I should read that book. Are the New done? I Do. Are we done? Yep. All right. Hey, you guys. Thanks for stopping by. Listen to episode 449. Can you believe this podcast has had... 1.5 million spins. That is incredible, and we are incredibly grateful for that. Thanks for letting us continue to be your broadcasters and your friends and also your realtors. We just did a sit-down this morning. It's really easy to do. It's with a couple that lives on the east side, and they're contemplating, hey, do we sell next spring or do we sell next fall? What kind of work do we need to do? I'm in the car all the time, driving around, going looking at homes, walking through and saying, hey, here's the work you need to do. Here's what we don't need to do. And here's what it's going to cost. And this is going to be our return on this investment if we sell in the spring or the summer or the fall. Anyway, really important conversations to have. You save a lot more money and you make a lot more money if you're a planner. And the thing that we loved about this couple from the Ron and John Nation, they are planners. In fact, when we get off this podcast, we're going to call another planner who is down in the Bay who just hired us to sell his mom and dad's place up here in Seattle. And he's like, hey, can we hand you the keys? This thing's been torn down all the way down to the studs. Can you guys take it from there? And we're like, heck yeah, we can. Let's get on a call. Let's make sure you're happy. We understand what the team is going to be and the value that we can add and bring and the result in the marketplace. Run it on sitdown.com. You can always get our buyer and seller playbook. Before we sit down, I encourage you to do that. It's a free ebook. It's a cup of coffee. Uh, basically, it takes about 20 to 30 minutes to read. So all you have to do is go to runanddonsitdown.com or write Ron directly, and we'll send it to you at ron at runanddon.com. All right, head up, shoulders back. We'll see you next time for episode 450. That's halfway to 900, you guys. That's pretty impressive. <laughs> You're listening to the Ron and Don Show. Oh, they! On the Ron and Don Radio. Now keep your head up and your shoulders back. And keep blowing that trumpet. And we'll see you next time. Only! 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 On the Ron and Don Radio Network. <laughs>